So today I'm with my professor, uh, Guy. I don't know if you want to say your last name too. Newland. Yeah. Oh, it's Newland. The Guy Newland, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. I thought it was Newman. I know a lot of people think that. Because <laughs> I, I, when I read the email, it's like, new, oh, it's Newland. Yeah. Or Guy Newland. I don't know why okay. people think that. I think maybe Newman. So I'm not the first person that's think that. Too. No. Okay. It's, <laughs> it's uh, about 10% of my students call me Dr. Newman, which, so. I'm used to it, yeah, but it's never been my name. <laughs> so it's Guy Newland. Newland, like yeah. A new land, like so a new land. New yeah. Yeah. So you, got, you want to introduce yourself? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm Guy Newland. I'm a professor of religion in the Department of Philosophy and Religion here at Central Michigan University. And my specialty is Tibetan Buddhism. I... Uh, I read and translate and try to explain Tibetan Buddhist philosophical texts, and um, um, I'm enjoying myself these days teaching a new course that I invented called The Meaning of Life. It's a good course. <laughs> yeah. That's the only course like I enjoy actually doing. It's, oh, good. Yeah, because like, if, if it's a assignment, I get it done like quick. It's like, yeah. it's more, it's, I, I'm interested in that. Yeah. Everything else is like, like yeah. work. Yeah, this work. <laughs> yeah, it's not work that I'm interested in. <laughs> well, I'm trying to. I tried to think of um, something that would be, you know, relevant to the lives of people who are taking it mm. in an, you know, immediate way, and and raise interesting questions, philosophical questions. Yeah, that, for for the philosophy club, they ask like, what, like, what is considered knowledge? Mm, yeah, and what's good? I got in deep. I'm like, wow. Yeah, justified true belief. Yeah, but I said you can't have none of those while, like, experience. Like, that's, like, the main thing you have to have before all that. Experience. Oh, you went to the first meeting? Yeah. You went to the, your first meeting of the philosophy club? Yeah, right? I think that definition is not... I don't think that's a good definition. Justified true belief? Yeah, for knowledge. Because knowledge is so broad. Uh-huh. So, I, like, if you can't have experience, you can't have none of that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't really want to... Uh, epistemology isn't really my field, so... I don't really. I I understand what it is they do. Yeah, they said next we're gonna be talking about like, I forgot what it's called, but it's like, would you rather save this person or uh, the trolley problem? Yeah. the trolley problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they said that's been like going on like that argument was going on for like right a you really wanna, long time. You want to turn the, the the trolley so that it goes over here and kills this person so that you can save these people over here. Or you want to just let it keep going and run over these people, and right? Is that? I think that's what it is. Yeah, it's called a trolley problem, and. Uh, I mean, dep- I just I just think depending on situation, none of them is like bad choices to make. Well, uh, I won't say bad. Morally, it could be bad because you're still killing someone, but like it's out of your control. So it's like. Yeah. I said, like, if it's, like, a family member or, like, 10 people, uh-huh. I'm going to say a family member because I don't know who the 10 people are. Ten I see. 10 people can be any anybody, uh-huh. yeah. murder or anybody, but I know. I see. You know this family yeah. member. I see. So you're going to base it on your personal connection with yeah. the individuals involved. Or if it's, like, a baby, then a family member. That's when it gets, like. A baby versus a family. Yeah, that's when it gets, like. Yeah. What about your great-grandmother who is already dying of cancer versus a baby that is a stranger? I mean, you see I'm saying? There's endless yeah. variations <laughs> of the problem. Um, <clears throat> I think my grandma will me to pick the baby. <laughs> the, um, there's a TV show called The Good Place, which mm. is very much about philosophy and religion. And in that one, they had a character who tried to answer the trolley problem by saying, well, what you should do in that case is jump off the trolley and throw yourself under the wheels of the trolley so that the person who gets killed is yourself. And then in that way, you don't have to kill either of the other people. Uh, that was one that. character said that. I mean, that's uh, that's one character who said that on the So on basically, the show. so you won't be the... So you basically killed yourself, so you wouldn't have to kill anyone people. else, right? You wouldn't have to just kill anyone else. You wouldn't have to decide whom to kill. You'll but technically, just... you did kill someone. That was yourself. So there is that. Yeah, <laughs> there is that. No, absolutely. There, that's a good point. And you are a person too, among yeah. all the people who deserve to be valued. Yeah, so it's like it's an equal. Not not one person should die more than the other person. So it's like exactly. There's that point of view, right? Yeah, in the Buddhist tradition, you know, which I teach, there's, like, different points of view about this. Some, some, some texts say that 
in this kind of situation, if you have any preference for saving one person over another, even including yourself, then you haven't really extended your loving concern to all people equally. But then other texts focus on the idea of you know, dedicating yourself, including your body and your life and whatever you can do to helping other beings. So yeah, you, there, you can find different points of view about mm-hmm. this trolley-like problem even within the Buddhist tradition too. So like, is, is like Buddhism more of a religion or like teaching? Is it teaching or like an actual religion? Both, I so, would say. So, oh, so it could be both? It's both. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, okay. It's, <laughs> if, you count, if you look at it as a religion, and I think it, it is a religion, and uh, it's the fourth largest religion in the world after um, Christianity, Islam, and, and Hinduism. Oh, no, Judaism is much smaller. Oh. It's famous, but it's, less, it's smaller. Um, yeah, Buddhism is the fourth largest religion. But um, <clears throat> it also has, you know, philosophy. It traditionally was thought of as the teaching of the Buddha, right? And mm. people who relied upon for helping them make sense out of life, people who rely upon the teachings of the Buddha to find the meaning of life, mm. then those people are followers of the Buddha. And then, you know, when Westerners came over and started, you know, comparing Buddhism to Christianity, we started having words like Buddhism and Buddhist, <laughs> mm. which weren't actually exactly real words, you know, in the Asian languages. They're made up. They're English words, right? Yeah, because a lot of people think, like, they worship Buddha. I'm like, no, they just... Well, some of them, some Buddhists worship Buddha and some don't. Yeah, I'm like, you can't just, like, say the entire thing is, like, they're worshiping him, like, most of the time. They're they're trying to learn from his teachings and try to put it... Yes, exactly. That's true. It's It's... So, yeah, you're right. Some people think, well, Buddhism is like must is a religion, so it must be like Christianity, except that instead of Jesus, they have Buddha. But that's not um, the most helpful way to think about it. You have plus, to... Buddha wasn't like not related to God or any of that. He was a, right. a right. human. <laughs> he was a human at one time. However, whichever tradition you follow, Buddha was originally human and then became awakened or realized the basic truth about reality right. and then taught other people that, you know, we're suffering. We're, we're suffering in a way that we don't have to because we don't see the world realistically. If we could see more realistically our interconnection with one another, then we could act in a way that there would be less misery for everybody. Yeah, I think I was like, I think it was middle school when we started learning about like Christianity, Islam and Buddha. Or like the religions, I forgot. I think it was middle school or ninth grade. I forgot. And they start start talking about like Buddha, because mm-hmm. he was actually was fat, like how he was. I thought I was like fake, but he was actually fat like that because he was. Was he a no, prince? No, 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 no. He was a prince, but he was the the image of the fat Buddha that uh, you see that comes from China originally. Oh, okay. And it represents uh, Maitreya, who is like going to be the next Buddha in the future. Okay. And, and not not the historical Buddha. The historical Buddha, there's no images of the historical Buddha, Shakyamuni, or his name was Siddhartha Gautama. He's never represented as having been fat. He was a strong, healthy young man who uh, thought that it would be good to go off in the forest and learn to meditate and figure out what the real meaning of life is and why we suffer so much. And um, in doing that, he learned how to meditate, and he tried uh, starving himself, fasting, extre- in extreme fasting, at which so then he got very, very skinny, and then he realized that that wasn't helping at all. And mm. so then he sat underneath a tree, accepted some food that was offered to him, and sat underneath a tree and meditated. And then he realized all of his past lifetimes, and he realized all the ways that the choices that we make affect the kinds of lives that we have. And uh, so he then, you know, at dawn, realized the true nature of reality. And after a while, he went out to find, um, you know, some friends who would listen to him and teach this. And that was the beginning of the the Buddhist tradition 2,500 years ago, 500 years before Jesus. Do you think... um... Like what, your like afterlife? What is like the most, in your opinion, like the most make like makes sense, or could be like possibly true reincarnation, or like reincarnation, or like heaven mm-hmm. and hell. Do you, which one? <laughs> like which one? <laughs> those are, my, are those my choices? Or no? Yeah. Any, uh, any other? I'm just saying like yeah, an yeah. example. 
Yeah. Well, I think the, 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 the best place to start with that is that people don't know. It's like people don't know. And so they have, we have different stories that we tell to help understand the de- death because people are f- afraid of dying. Most people are afraid, not everybody, but mm. most people are afraid of dying. And there's some anxiety about what you know, death means, separation from everything you, you are or you, everything you value and everything you love. And so in the face of kind of anxiety and fear about this you know, threat to a sense of meaningfulness in our lives, mm. people have stories that they tell and stories about heaven and hell and stories about reincarnation are useful stories, that, stories that help create meaning in people's lives. But no one actually, no knows. one who's alive actually knows, knows right? Because they haven't, they have no, you know, they have no memory of actually dying and being reborn or dying and going to heaven or going, coming from some but other there are, place. But there are some people that claim they... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But some yeah. believe that. I don't have a lot of credi- credence in, people may, are very sincere in saying that they remember these things, but, you know, I, I don't know, I'm not confident about that. The way I think of it is, is that we're, we're dying all the time. That is in the sense that we're constantly changing in the, in the, in the me or the you of the moment before and the moment before or of yesterday or the day before Mm -hmm. is like gone and not coming back. You're never going to get, you know, the Jeremiah who was nine years old is, Uh is way gone and right. Not coming back. And now, like, there's a person you were when you woke up this morning, and that's gone. And so instant by instant, you know, our oh. cells, we flicker. We, we think of ourselves, oh, I'm the solid little self. And is my solid little self going to keep going or not? Well, we're not a solid little self. We're a flow. We're like a river. We're like a stream of constant flowing of experiences. Don't you think we are? If yeah, you, but I never thought of it like that. <laughs> like, like, yeah, you're, you're dying continuously because you're dying, uh, and being, but then you're being reborn continuously too, right? Uh, and then so we're, and and not only is are we individually constantly dying and re- being being reborn instant by instant, mm-hmm. but we're dying and being reborn in interaction with each other. Like the me of this moment doesn't like exist independently of you. <laughs> we're in this conversation, and you know it who I'm becoming right now, 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 now depends on our interaction. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's not like a, I don't have like some private, independent, personal self. So dependent. It's right. There's a dependent, interdependent, and constantly changing, you know, persons, right? Uh And so when you start understanding, like thinking about, oh, this is the way people really exist, then it changes how you think about what death means. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think I'm like, cause a lot of people say, um, like, like we're, we're meaningless humans are not meaningless or humans are nothing like compared to the universe. I'm like, so if, like scientifically, when you're going to go by that, like we are literally made of stardust uh-huh. and stardust came from the universe. Stars, yeah, so yeah. we're technically, we are the universe. We are part of the universe. We're not, yeah. We're part of like something big, not something small. We may be small, but we are actually part of like something real big. Yeah, it's think, true. Yeah. We're interconnected with all you know, all these things. And How our universe. eyes look like quasars, brain, neutrons look like uh-huh. galaxies. So it's like, yeah, yeah, we're part of the universe. The physical laws that, yeah. that govern our planet and have within the context of which we've come to be who we are, they're mm-hmm. the same physical laws that apply throughout the universe, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the whole universe is, is, is part of our extended family. It's like our distant cousins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Real distant. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I want, like I said, like yeah, I agree with you. I don't. I, I wouldn't know the answer or a perfect opinion of how what happened after you die. No. How can you? How can we know? If I could, I'll say I'll say reincarnation could make sense. Could make sense. Yeah. So a lot of people. Yeah. Could it. make sense, but it's like hmm? it's really hard to prove. <laughs> no. No. Yeah. Yeah. People have tried to to make arguments for it and. There are there are good arguments for it, um, but I don't think they're conclusive. Yeah, it's there, it's not concrete. Like, show me right now. Yeah. That they're reincarnated. Well, one of the arguments that Buddhists give for reincarnation is that they say that we have moments of consciousness. Right. Mm-hmm. We're aware. We're aware. We're aware. We're aware. And each mm-hmm. moment of awareness, each moment of consciousness that we have, 
it appears, it arises, you know, me being aware of you sitting in front of me right now, that doesn't come out of nowhere. It depends upon a prior moment of consciousness. So consciousness, before a moment of consciousness, there had to be another moment of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Consciousness didn't just come out of thin air. It mm-hmm. depends on a prior moment of consciousness. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well, if you, if you believe that, if you accept that, that consciousness can only come from a prior consciousness, so, then they'll say okay. the first moment of consciousness in your lifetime had to depend on a prior okay. moment of consciousness. Oh, and okay. if that wasn't in this lifetime, it had to have been in a different lifetime. That's one of the arguments oh, okay. the Buddhists give. It's a, you know, well, anyway, that's, that's one of their better arguments. Yeah, but we really don't even know what consciousness is. No, we don't know what it is. It's just, it's, right, it's, it's pretty mysterious, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, people are still working on that problem from a scientific That's why um, I put that as my example for that um, outer experience, like the um, transcendent, like transcendence uh, assignment. Uh-huh. I'm like, can that be like a part of it? Because like... Consciousness yeah. itself. Well, in, 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 in science... Um, they call this the hard problem, quote-unquote, the hard problem. The hard Mm -hmm. problem is how can consciousness, which doesn't seem to be tangible, you can't touch it, you can't see it, it's very different from tables and chairs. It got no laws, it got no physics. It doesn't have any color. What color is your mind, Jeremiah? (laughs) It's It's like, yeah, it's like, okay, so how can something that's so intangible invisible, how can it uh, arise out of this material universe? In other words, mm-hmm. how does our brain and our, or the rest of our body or the rest of our body or the rest of our world, how does it give rise to something like the experience that we're having of being here right now? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things that we've learned about the brain, but that is that's not the, one of them. The most, <laughs> that's, the that's the deepest question yeah. people are still arguing about. Yeah. But I don't know. Because, you know, have you ever had an out of body experience? Uh, not, uh, not in the sense that people sometimes talk about, like, being out of their body and then looking down. Yeah, that was me. I, like, I'm, I'm like, that. whoa. Yeah, I've never had that. And I couldn't control myself, but at the same time, I felt like I could. Mm. And it was like, it happened so quick, but at the same time, I felt like it was taking forever. What, what, how did it come, what, in what circumstances? So I was actually, I know what dream I was in, because this is a school, it's like normal school dream. I forgot what I was doing, but then suddenly, I see myself sleeping. Oh, yeah. I'm like, and everything was like blue and black. Uh-huh. Looked around, I can like, it's like I can see myself sleeping, but at the same time, I can see the whole room. Mm, so I can right. see like two things at once. Right. And I'm, I can feel my body trying to move, I'm like. Right. Then when I went down, I woke back up, I'm like. Yeah. That was the most weirdest feeling I ever felt. So when you when you had this experience, were you aware of the fact that you were dreaming? When I woke up, yeah. Yeah, when you woke up. Yeah, when I woke but up. But while you were looking down at yourself. Yeah, when I woke up. No, when I was looking down at myself, I'm like, I'm That was asleep. a dream. Yeah, yeah, no. When I was looking down at myself, I was like, oh, I know I'm asleep right now. Oh, you knew you, knew yeah. you were asleep. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, I see myself. So I'm like, what is happening? Then when I woke okay. up. That's called, okay, that part of it is called vivid dreaming. You can look up vivid Vivid, V-I-V-I-D, vivid dreaming. So vivid or lucid dreaming, lucid, L-U-C-I-D. Lucid dreaming. Dream. Lucid dreaming means a dream in which you know you're dreaming, and then you try to use the fact that you know you're dreaming. No, no, I'm saying like I know what um, what before I was dreaming, like I knew what dream I was in before yeah. that happened. Before the dream, yeah. No, but. so the, the dream happened first, then that part happened after. Yeah, after. So I'm like, and yeah. I couldn't, my body didn't want to go back to sleep like. Yeah, I guess not. Yeah. Because you were like, what the hell? Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and I told yeah. everybody about it, like, yeah, like. Yeah. Not, no, not, it's not weird. <laughs> I mean, I've had, diff- people have different kind of experiences where you lose your sense of an ordinary self. Or you feel like you're one with other things, or you're not separate from other things, or that you don't, that you lose the sort of temporarily lose the illusion that you are a solid, independent self. Mm-hmm. But um, as far as like feeling that I was a real self and I had a point of view that was on the ceiling or something looking down on my body, I've never had that. That was, oh my God. And this, this, my think about it with this, so, yeah. Because well, I'm like, I can see the room and I see myself laying down right now. Yeah. And it was like, I couldn't see, like, my 
like the person looking down couldn't see like you couldn't see like, the person looking down yeah, you were looking from the person yeah. looking down on your body and i couldn't and there's jeremiah yeah then it just you came back in yeah i'm like yeah then i yeah. then i first experienced um what's that thing called when you can't move in your sleep oh, sleep, sleep paralysis. paralysis i experienced that i was screaming <laughs> I ran up since I said y'all didn't hear me screaming. They was no, yeah, because you could, you weren't actually making any noise. Yeah. You were trying. Yeah, I got so used to it. I just went back. Every time I'm in sleep paralysis, I just go back to sleep. Yeah, or just wiggle my toes That's and wake good, up. Good choice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was another question. Oh, in society, what are like, if you could choose and pick out anything from society to pick out, what would it be? Like, to take out mean. from society. Oh, like, to remove. Yeah. What, like... To make it better. What, what do you What do you think? What will we subtract from yeah. society that are... Well, so, I'm going to take that what you mean by society is American society. Oh, yeah. Say. Yeah, American. Okay, yeah. so I have a very strong opinion about this. Uh-huh. I've sort of, like, broached this with you a little bit when we were talking before. Uh-huh. I mean, there's all kinds of problems in the world that you could start with. You know, mm. po- pollution, greed... You could talk about capitalism, sexism, homophobia, right? And I think these problems are like all over the world and they're all really serious. But the thing that I think is the special sickness of American society that poisons so much about the way our life is, is mm-hmm. our racist history. And people, a lot of, especially white people, mm-hmm. think of racism and the effects of racism on society as in the past. Like, yeah. by the past, they mean either before Abraham Lincoln or they mean before Martin Luther King. Um, and they don't understand how racism still affects so much of what goes on in our society today. Yeah. Like, why do we have a crappy health care system in the United States when so many other countries, including countries that have much less money than us, have mm. much better health care systems? Why do you think that is? It's because you have white people who do not want to pay more taxes and have those taxes go yeah. to programs for the health of black people. Now, they don't consciously think, sit there and think that shit. But, they, 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 but, but that yeah. motivates them. Yeah. And yeah. That, so that's the real... That if you think about like any problem in the United States today, like even so environmental problems, yeah. why is, it, why is the, all the water polluted in Flint? You know what I'm saying? It's not like you got all the Bloomfield Hills where you have all these rich white people. They don't have lead in their water. And it's like every single problem you think about, you can find a way that is related to and connected to the, the root poison that's specific. Racism. I mean, there's root poisons all over the world. I but the root poison of our society uh, is racism. racism. I say the government is trying to use, trying to use racism uh-huh. and control it. Like the government knows. I think you said that before. Yeah, the government knows what's going on, so they're like, oh. Yeah. So the government is got rich white people or rich black people. It don't matter. Now they got, they got this thing called racism. Yeah. You put that in their society, they can't be touched. <laughs> That's just me. I just think I know. that. I think you tried to articulate this. this I'm not saying your point is wrong. I'm just saying yeah. higher from your point, the government is doing it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's just I. I just don't think it's just the government. I think it's like, for example, um, so there are a couple different kinds of experiments th- mm-hmm. th- that p- have been done. One that was done like way back in the '90s was called the doll, the doll experiments. It's very sad, and there's this African American, you know, sociologist or psychologist researcher. And he, you know, had a bunch of um, young, like, African-American kids, like, three- and four-year-old girls and so forth like that. Mm-hmm. And he would show them these different dolls. And the little black kids would prefer the white dolls. And he would say, well, why do you like this one? And she said, that one's not pretty, you know, or that one's ugly. And they're talking about the black the one that has the skin that's the same color as their own. Mm. Well, how the fuck did they get that poison in their head? That didn't, yeah, didn't come from, it didn't come from some government policy. It's like, a, it's in society's veins. It's like yeah, in I, your I, veins. Oh, I get, yeah, I agree with you. I'm just saying, like, the government started it. And <laughs> as time go on, people became engraved into it and started teaching their kids. Now society has been poisoned 
buy what the government gave us, and now it's. Well, when more. did they give it to us, according to your theory? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't right. know. Well, I I think okay. So let me go with the, think along your lines. So, like, yeah, what? men and women. There's been like sexism in every society in different ways, like as long as we can know. Like, what is a good way? But to racism stay in- is made up. And yeah. that's that fits with what you're saying. Somebody yeah. had to make this shit up, and they and, had a reason to make and it. And what up. is a good way to stay in power? Well, you have to divide people, right? And I say that fits your theory. Yeah, that's 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 what I'm saying. That good way to stay in power. And now this division is engraved through racist white people, and now they're teaching their other kids, and now African Americans are being taught to downgrade themselves, like how the doll. Yeah, doll study. There's another thing more recently developed um, called implicit biased implicit bias test Mm. so there's lots of people who hold anti-racist values you know or Mm. say that they're not I I know you know a lot of liberal white people will say absolutely racism is terrible and it's still here and we need to do something we should try to fight against it and so forth but that doesn't mean that they don't subconsciously have racist ideas like embedded in their minds just like mm. these little black girls they're not going around being racist but subconsciously in their mind they had this poison you know against their own skin color well it's like that with white people too and so you give these like there's a there's a subconscious mm. subconscious tendency even among people who are fighting against racial injustice that if if you give them these you show them the way they do it they show you pictures they show you pictures of all these different faces and then they they test your reaction time in identifying you know which one is like associated with criminality and which one is not associated with criminality and it's like well the lag time in Mm. identifying a black male as not a criminal is longer then, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Even, it's, it's like, okay, people have to hesitate for a split second longer in order to see that, oh, yeah, a black man's not a criminal. And so the black man goes into the store and is always getting trailed by the undercover, you know, police Cops. officer. And why? Is that because he's, like, got a record or because they know that guy's a shuffler? No, they you, just know he's black. Do you think, like, the teachings and how it's been going on for so long, that's why it's like that? Like the teachings of racism, that's how it's like. That's yeah. that, that's why it became so subconscious because the teachings that they taught in centuries. That's why it's just so subconscious. It it's like gets embedded in the yeah. social structure, in the. It's just, I, I I guess I don't know enough to answer that question fully. I, I just think it's, but it's, it's teachings. Like if you're gonna teach the the new generation or curse or like a baby or like a kid, he's a blank slate. Yeah. Whatever you teach them is going to be the product of what you took. Yeah. But people can consciously, okay, you can consciously intend to teach people, we are the world, we are the children, it's like a rainbow, and everybody should be happy together. You can consciously be intending to teach them, Mm -hmm. and still, somehow, somehow, they get the message, you know, that there's this difference. Do you see what I'm saying? Of course. Somehow they pick it up because it's like, it's in the subconscious minds of the people who are doing the teaching. It's right. not that easy to erase. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, since the teaching's been so long, it's subconscious. Even though, yeah, yeah. Even though it could be like a, a white person that's not racist, the right. teachings are so still there because subconsciously they still... That's what I'm saying. Yeah, okay, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. So they don't, people, don't mean, people don't mean to convey racism to the next generation. Well, some people do. But most people don't mean to convey racism to the next generation. It is so heavily embedded in America. Except, right. It is so Except the white power, you know, you got the white power people and the Nazis and the KKK and that. That's different. But for most people, they don't intend to teach their children that. But somehow they end up doing it anyway. <clears throat> well, would you say, do you think it's their fault that it's subconsciously embedded in them? So there's, so this is a... This is a scientific question, and I'm mm. not really a scientist, but what I've heard mm. is it is possible to affect your implicit bias. First of all, you know, people have to recognize that this is that they have been programmed in a poisonous way to some mm. extent. And then if you um I'm talking about as a white person. 
right, as a white person. And, and it was so, so as a black person, the thing is the black power movement, black is beautiful, Jesse Jackson saying you are somebody, all these kinds of things are like identified to get people to take pride in themselves instead of subconsciously thinking of themselves as having some problem. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm. Those are like, that's the health medicine that people have been trying to give within the African American. Well, I think it's became more corrupt now. Now they're trying to say, they're trying to reverse white supremacy for black supremacy now. They're trying to say it's okay I know, to well, be. yeah, there is that too. Yeah. I'd be like, some, I get that. You can have all the hate, but you can't have as much hate as a slavery did back in the day because you never, like, you remember the victim thing you told me? You yeah. can't um act like or have feelings as the victim because you never experienced it. Yeah. So I'm like, as a as a black man now, you can't do that. You can't have even even when they were slaves, they still wanted peace between two blacks and whites. And it's it, and I say it's you're tarnishing the legacy from doing the opposite of what they died for. Yeah. Well, I as far as like, you know, things like Nation of Islam, for example. You know, Malcolm X was in. He's in Malcolm X because he was part of the Nation of Islam. And the Nation of Islam helped him, you know, take pride in himself as a black man. And instead of thinking, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm just, I should just be a criminal or something. And, and then he took, he, he stood up for himself and he's proud of himself as a black man. And the Nation of Islam gave him that. But along with that, along with that, they gave him hatred of white people. And an idea that white people are the devil. Just, that's it. That's the whole story. And it was like, took him a long time. Just like it took him a long time to get to, you know, being proud of himself as a black man. Then it was another journey to get to the point where he realized, huh, yeah, there's some white people around here who are trying to help. And how could that work? And why is it... You know, oh, like, and the real Islam doesn't have anything to do with racism at all. Exactly. And, it, and, but it, he didn't know that. Then if you want to bring religion to it, you really think God will be proud of you trying to be downgrade another race, no matter if you're black and white. So you got to put that into consideration. It, and took, it took Malcolm X a long time to figure and, that yeah, out. That was his whole life. And it's like... <laughs> Nobody figured that out. Then somebody came and shot him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and said, hey, you better not say that. <laughs> Dead. And it's like... there. White people isn't racist as a whole, but there are racist white people. Absolutely. You can't say white people are racist. It's just messed up. Blanket. They're just yeah. messed up white people. There are. They're really messed up. Because anyway. if you want to say that, you should, then you just say all black people are criminals. No, they're just cr- criminals that also happens to be black. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing I was going to say, because was, that was kind of addressing the black side of it. For, mm. for white people... I, I've I heard from um, Robin D'Angelo. Robin D'Angelo is a white woman who does anti-racist work, and she wrote a book called White Fragility about how white people can't stand to hear about racism because they they feel wounded by it, and it's difficult for them to, you know, have to confront their own racist attitudes. And I so think forth. I think because um, like say for a white kid, a lot of people will teach him that. Oh, you're better than everybody else. You should, you should feel ashamed. Like he's just a kid. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So people don't like. Yeah, this is a big thing. Right? He may be white, but like he's a kid. Like how you how you think you post an end racism if you telling him what's bad and tell him you should still stay like that. Yeah. But then get mad when he grows up to be what you told him to, what he was. Right. You should. I understand you should teach the differences, but you shouldn't say you're better than that person because uh-huh. you're. You, this makes it worse. I so I don't know the answer. To, I was saying originally that this is kind of an empirical question. Like mm-hmm. it's just scientific research on how we can change people's so that they have less implicit bias. But one thing I did hear from Robin D'Angelo was that, you know, if you familiarize yourself as a white person mm-hmm. with, with stories and images of black people who, you know, people who have dark skin who represent ideals that you share. So, like, you know, you have Martin Luther King picture over here, and you have a Malcolm X picture over here, and you have, a, you know, um, a Marcus picture over here. And so, and then you have um, um, Harriet Tubman. And so you have, like, you, you kind of, like, embed yourself in a culture that you create yourself where you're seeing, like, black skin associated with, 
your ideals. You say your own values and our ideals, and they're represented by by pictures of human beings who have black skin, that this affects your mind over time. Oh, I'll give you that. You see what I'm saying? Because uh. instead of always thinking, you know, like white's good, oh yeah, there's also these black people. You start to associate what's good with these black faces. And so when you see a black face, you don't automatically think, hmm, I wonder if you shoplifted. So you, think black- <laughs> <laughs> you think black people should do that too, so they won't think, uh... Yeah. yeah, yeah, it could work for black people too, right, right, exactly. You need black heroes for in the black community. You need to have black ideals, you know, somebody, people that can look up to, and I don't know, I'm not going to say anything about that, but it seems like it's a problem for yeah. everybody that some of the... Some of the people that we, we make media heroes don't necessarily embody, you know, the best values. I say social media plays a big role in it, too. It's a, yeah, it's a problem these days. Yeah, social media is really, 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 it gets bad. Like, it's really bad. So I hear. I've yeah. decided I quit Facebook because I got sick of it. So I just not, I don't go on Twitter, I don't go on Instagram, and I don't go on Facebook. Because some of the stuff that we post, a lot of people just believe it so quickly. I know. And then when you try to explain it to them, they look at you as like, What? I know. Well, this is actually a huge problem right now. Like the Kyle Rittenhouse, I'm like, did you guys watch the video of what happened? They like, no. I'm like, so how are you saying like he was, he was, um, he's guilty? I'm like, oh, because you're talking about the shootings of the black people, Ahmad Arbery. I'm like, and he didn't even kill black people. I'm like, he literally killed a, a molester and an abuser, and he was almost got his head beat by a skateboard. I'm like, what do you expect the kid to do? Now put him in your shoes, you would have did the same thing. So you can't. Yeah. Now, then they say they want to bring up the law. He was, I'm like, in the law in Wisconsin, it's weird, but he can't, he, he was able to carry an AR. Oh, you're talking about that guy who went and shot these yeah. people in the street. I'm like, that before that, it was a black owner who called him because he was about to get vandalized from the protest. Right. He was going there for aid. Yeah. He was, when you watch it, he was literally getting chased. Yeah. I don't know why would they chase a guy with a gun, but. Right. He almost got jumped. It's like, if you watch the video and read the testimonies, he only shot when the person put the gun up to him. I know. So it's like. I heard that. They got off. He got off. I'm like, then they try to compare it to other cases. I'm like, you can't do that because each case is different. In that case, just because somebody was innocent, you can't just bring up their color because he was innocent, black or white, he was innocent all day. And they're, and I'm like, if you want to bring up race, then you can bring up a black man just ran over 40 people and he got let go off a of two, 2 million bail. Yeah. You don't see that nowhere on social media, none of that. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't, you know, I think, I think you're right. The details of each case really matter. Um, and so people uh, just don't like doing their own research. Uh, they like to believe in their celebrities or like the people they like. Uh-huh. I think it was. I don't know if you watched Rick and Morty, but Rick. I don't watch some, it. Nah. It was like Rick. He was like some people like to believe. People believe in what people believe in people that they like. Yeah. Even if they're right or wrong, they they'll still believe. They'll just follow them. Yeah, yeah. Decided this is my person. Now whatever they say, I'm gonna go with. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a big pro- thing with Donald Trump like that. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we got like you, know, you can say the most dumb. You can say the most dumbest thing in the world. And then people are like, "Yeah, I'm with that because Donald said it." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like Joe Biden, not good of a president, but Donald Trump is like right. he can do anything he want, but yeah. you can't get him out of the office. <laughs> I know. I'm really. And afraid. his followers are diehard. They are. I'm really afraid that he's gonna try to be president again, and if he gets to be president again. He's not going to want to stop being president, you know. He'll he won't leave the White House if he gets in the White House again. He won't leave That's except happens. if he's taken out on a on yeah. an ambulance. That's what happens when you have power, money, and a good and a big following. Yeah. A, his fan base is crazy, especially on Twitter. Oh my god! But the the basis for his fan base, I think, is to a lot a lot of the. I mean, there's there's multiple factors, but a lot of it has to do with racism. Yeah, yeah. That's Again, like as yeah. I say, all this is what I'm trying to tell you when you ask that question about society. Everything is rooted from race in, in American society. In American society, yeah. in particular, since 1619 down mm-hmm. to today, all of the special problems. I mean, there's other problems, but all the problems that are special in particular to our country trace back to, to racism. racism. Yeah. And racism is not like, like, you know, men beating up women. You have that in different countries, right? That's a problem. You know, pollution, that's a problem. It is but where America, racism is yeah. different in different places. Yeah, America, they, America did it worse. <laughs> we have a yeah. specialty in this particular kind of badness. Yeah. Like when people think of America, 
racism. <laughs> well, right. Yeah. It used to be, like, obviously, that South Africa was, when I was young, South Africa was the most racist country, and America would go, look at those racists down in South Africa. But, you know, now South Africa is, is, is run by black people. You know, it's like the people are liberated to elect whomever they want to be president. They have a real democracy with a minority of white people and a majority of black people. And so, like, who are we going to point to as, like, the most racist country in the world? It's very clear that the United States is. Yeah, but hopefully Africa don't become uh, get out of that poverty. Africa has, yeah, a lot of problems. Like, there, there's some posts on TikTok that was, oh, Africa is all good. I don't know what they be saying. I'm like... You post now one good part of Africa. Africa as a whole, yeah, it's very, very. It's a complicated story. Yeah. Africa. There's many, many different Africa. Because Africa used to be real, like what, the richest country in the world. Yeah, it's not a. It's like many countries though. That's the thing. Well, I'll say continent. It's like yeah, it's a yeah, continent. continent. It's a huge continent. It's the second biggest continent after Asia. I mean, there's so many different parts to it. You have every possible ecosystem, all different. That's what I'm saying. Even the ecosystem is like. Yeah, we live in a the net na- with nature. <laughs> the people who made up this bullshit about race, they thought that you could identify different races of people by mm. skin, skin color, color and, and, and other kinds of characteristics, mm. right? Well, now we know that that is total bullshit, and that there's like among the peoples of Africa, mm. and I'm talking about all of the dark-skinned people of Africa. Mm. There's huge genetic diversity. They don't, they're not like... They don't say black, white. They there's like, all these yeah. different kinds of black people. I said that in my, po- uh, my other podcast. I'm like, you know, in other countries, they don't say black and white. Right, right. They no, say they what don't. you are, where you live, and they don't think, yeah, yeah. They don't think, they don't of don't think like that. Yeah. No, it's true. Because it's so race is just a social construct. It's right. And it's constructed different ways in different places. So, like, when I went down... So here we have, like, oh, white is just, like, the 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 normal thing quote unquote and then you have the black people and you have the indigenous people and then you have like asian immigrants and so forth but you go down to um i went down to peru you know go down to south america and Mm -hmm. like the majority of people have like indigenous or combination of african and indigenous ancestry instead of it being a minority Mm. majority of people are non-white and then there's you got a few people who sort of claim that they're white (laughs) (laughs) and then but the the, you see what i'm saying it's like a a small one so in that way it's a little bit it's just kind of like uh, the whole idea about races it's not that they don't have any racism it's just that what it is is completely different Different, yeah because it's like every every everybody came like humans came from africa yeah it seems pretty clear. So really, everybody technically are Africans. Technically, yeah. everybody African. Not, I'm not saying everybody's black and or white because that's just well, yeah. It, it could have been blacks and whites during that time because it just lighter because black and white are just lighter and darker. That's just really what it is. Yeah. And everything spread out. Genetic mutation, environmental changes start happening. Yeah. That's when change, color started to change. So really, everybody's African. But it's just that when you say that, they black. Oh, you're saying everybody's black? No. No. There's no, no such thing as black and white. That's just a social construct. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I don't really know. It seems like that as humans moved into Northern Europe and Northern Asia, a series of genetic adaptations took place that caused people's skin to become lighter and uh, got rid of the sickle cell uh, vulnerability because there wasn't any malaria. Mm-hmm. That's like, like you know, the sickle cell is African-Americans get sickle cell disease and white people don't get it. And the reason is because uh, the sickle cell um, uh, uh, mutation, the, the mutation that causes some African-American people to get sickle cell disease, mm-hmm. it also protects people against malaria. So when people from Africa moved up to Sweden, mm-hmm. They didn't have to worry about malaria. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, and, and their, their skin got lighter and they lost the sickle cell gene, right? So, mm. yeah. And then if they go down to visit Africa, they're going to be, could they're be in real malaria. trouble with yeah. malaria, right? Yeah, malaria is, well, it's important for people to have some kind of protection against it. Anyway, yeah, I completely agree with you. Humans, we're all, we're all, uh, we all trace back to the common ancestry. We're all, we're all distant, um, we're all cousins. Yeah, but evolu- how they like they say evolution is so complex. It's like that's why it's like still a 
Keeps Neanderthals and there's another side of humans, another set of subhumans. I'm like, damn, it's like a whole. Yeah, you should take a. a web. You know who in anthropology? There's a, a woman named Rachel Kaspari, and she teaches courses about this, about human evolution. Because some Super people think it's a straight line. It's not. Yeah. It's like a. No, there's all these branches yeah. of the family. Like you know, we're Homo sapiens, right? But. Mm. Neanderthals are homo, homo neanderthals. Yeah, homo neanderthals. means human. Yeah, but Neanderthals aren't us. But, <laughs> we, well, well, yeah. well, white people have, on average, about 2% Neanderthal DNA. Uh-huh. Did you know that? No. Yeah. No. Like, Neanderthals and Homo sapiens. We're, we're Homo sapiens. Yeah, because back, yeah, back in the day, they, they were interbreeding. They looked, yeah, they looked well, the they same. Could, they could have sex with each other and have babies. Yeah, because they couldn't tell the difference. They well, they, they did look, They I think they did look different, but they could have sex. And, Not so well, like, they looked different, but they looked like a human. They didn't look they like, were like, like yeah. humans. Yeah, they, Just, looked, they were kind of, they were kind of bigger. But, yeah. But yeah, there could have, the, the Neanderthals and, and the Homo sapiens, our ancestors, uh, could have babies together and as a result, is like if you look at DNA of people whose descendants come from Northern Europe, like mine, mm-hmm. I have never done any DNA testing. But generally speaking, you know, white people have between two and three percent Neanderthal DNA. And then this is, of course, not common among African American people, right? Because huh. they, their ancestors were not up in Europe messing around with the Neanderthals, <laughs> but but my ancestors were. They were there, and and we both, you know, we mostly kicked Neanderthal ass. I mean, right? can you blame him? Because like, let's say if you're Homo sapiens, right? You see Neanderthal, oh, he's just bigger and just looked weird. Oh, he might he might be me. Like, I'm not going to question. Like, oh, he's not. He's not I don't know. I don't know. I don't think they said, oh. I, don't, I think they, I don't know exactly how, it's a very big question of how exactly they interacted. Some people think that, you know, they just fought all the time. And, and then, yeah. I mean, he, our, our homo sapien ancestors came into Europe. There were Neanderthals there and we had to interact with them in some way. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it might have not always been friendly. Yeah. Cause they said, um, it was a thing. No, I think you uh taught it. I think you taught it. You said humans are naturally... No, I don't think you said it. But it was this video that said humans are naturally um, violent creatures. Mm. At the end of the day, like, we're... we're I didn't say violent. that. But some people say that, yeah. Because they said, imagine, like, you know how babies, when they throw a tantrum, they kick in. Now, imagine they actually have full strength and, like, kind of what they're doing. That's just naturally... We're all naturally just... Yeah, it's, I believe it's more complicated. They said that. being civilized is being able to tame and understand and control... So, that's partly true. But then, the thing is that... So, suppose you compare humans to chimpanzees. Um, Chimpanzees, if you put, like, 100 chimpanzees on an airplane, you would just have, like... And these are adult chimpanzees. Mm. They're they're just going to, like, be tearing each other apart. This would be total chaos, right? And you you get 100 humans on the airplane... And every once in a while, you get one jackass. But most of the time, people behave themselves, right? And they try to try to take care of each other. Mm. Mostly, right? Do you see yeah. what I'm saying? Or at least they leave each other to mind their own business. So... Well, do you think they, they're doing that just because they're good? Or they're just doing it because they don't want to... Get in trouble. Yeah. Get in trouble. Well, this is the thing. There's been a lot of emphasis in the past on humans being naturally violent and fighting. Mm. And it seems clear that we, you know, there is something that causes us to, you know, to have aggressive impulses and then to organize ourselves into, you know, to make wars by having groups of people who are aggressive against other groups of people. Mm. But on the other hand, it's like we wouldn't be existing here today if we didn't have collaboration and empathy. Like, for example, for example, Mm. if... um, there's um, these uh, mirror neuron experiments where if they, they, they take a person and they put them in the room and they say, okay, you know, here's this buzzer. And when you press this buzzer, you're going to give a shock to the person in the other room. And then, like, people will, if they can see the other person, even if the person is not really getting a shock, but if the other person goes like that and they act like they got a shock, then it affects the person. You wire up this person and you can see 
that there it hurts me to see Dude. somebody else getting hurt mm. mostly that's called a mirror neuron response like if it's if i'm teaching in class and one person gets bored in the second round they start yawning and then other people see that person yawning then then they start yawning. That, uh, and it's like they don't mean to start yawning, just, but it's just like they're they're mirroring the other person. And the same thing is like if we see somebody else in pain, it's like it almost hurts us. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you or you feel, can tie that to what you said earlier about racism. Right. Exactly. You will, Okay. You try to get, like, for example, white uh, people to feel like that the pain that black people feel due to racism in society is real pain that's experienced by human beings uh, just like us and that we we should be we should care about it because it's real pain that a human being is feeling and that's enough be- yeah. but then there's this problem with this mirror neuron thing that I'm talking about generally speaking humans if they see an image of another human suffering it causes them like a mirror kind of pain mm. you know but if you see the other person as other. Oh, okay. If you other that person, right. you're like, okay, well, you know, I don't care about that kind of person. Sounds like killing an ant or watching Yeah, yeah, ant. exactly. Oh, okay. Exactly. Okay. And that's how, that's how war works. Like, you know, people don't just wake up in the morning. You know, the French people don't wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to go machine gun a bunch of German people. So, <laughs> no, what you have to do is, you know, have to get them organized and say, oh, those German people are so evil. You know, they're all like Nazi assholes. So and then there's like, oh, well, we should try to kill as many Nazi assholes as we possibly can. And you you dehumanize the so other. So you change the human. You have to you have oh, to okay. to get people to to fight. If you ever go in the army or something, you see like if there's going to be a war, they don't tell you. You know, there's some human beings over there, and they have their own culture, and they have their own family, they have their own wives and children. But you know, it's really in the interest of our country for you to shoot a bunch of them with this machine gun. Nobody's going to want to go shoot them with the machine gun. Okay. So they tell them, you know, those people are scum. They're they're spawn of Satan. They're basically like pests or rats or fleas on the surface of the earth. And the fewer of them we have, the better. And so you're doing a good thing by shooting them. And then people go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That, they're dirt. Let's, oh, let's okay. clean them that up. Makes, that makes, that, I agree with you. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how you get people into Because, like, okay, there's a few crazy people, right, just who just want to go kill. Yeah. But the vast majority Sorry. of human beings are like you and me. We're never going to say, like, oh, yeah, let's go shoot some people. Yeah. No, that doesn't occur to us, yeah. right? So if we're going to be soldiers, somebody has to teach us to hate these other particular people on the other start, side of the line. That's how you start a war. That's, you uh, have, that's smart. <laughs> war depends upon brainwashing the soldiers on your own side. Because soldiers are just pawns. And you, you brainwash the soldiers by telling them that the enemy is not really like them. Mm. So they don't feel any pain for the enemy that they're hurting. I remember it was uh, a video. It says one soldier, he, they, uh, before he killed him, he was like, I don't blame you because we're in the same position. We're just trying to fight for what we believe in. So it's like, he killed him. I'm like, dang. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. I, feel, I hate when people talk down on like service or military members because like, right. they yeah. literally... They got a job to do. Yeah, it's like... Tough job. I don't want Real that. tough job, yeah. yeah. Exactly. But but I was going uh it was thing I take out from society. I say ignorance and um ignorance and, and not questioning things. Not questioning or accepting things how it is or uh-huh. not trying to get change. Yeah. Critical thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Challenging questioning authority. Yeah. Not just taking things because they were posted on social media yeah. by and ignorance is a big part. Ignorance plays into that. People are, yeah, there's a lot of ignorance. ignorance. So to fight ignorance, you need better education systems. Yeah. But why do our education systems so bad in the United States? Racism! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, racism is ignorant. Racism is... Racism is ignorant. So yeah. that you win if yeah, you look ignorant. it that way. On the other hand, why do people stay so ignorant? Racism. Yeah, yeah exactly. So there's a time with each other. There's a time with each other. I was like, like a lot of my friends, I'm not gonna lie, one of my friends, I forgot, he's so ignorant because I'm trying to tell him, explain it to him, but it's like he doesn't want to accept it. Like he knows it's true, yeah, but he's not gonna accept it because it goes against what he believes in. And right. Like, it's really hard to get people, when something goes against what your core beliefs are, mm-hmm. it's really hard to get people to change. And it's so important now, there's been a lot of research on it, you know, and trying to, how can we, you know, when, when somebody like Trump is influencing the way people are thinking mm. and, and it's causing them to have ignorant views and behavior, 
like how can you get them to change when they have this like deep adherence um, it's a complex issue one 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 thing people have been saying is like if you want if you want somebody to hear what you're saying you have to start by listening to them if you don't say okay say to your friend so yeah I know that you believe that um, humans have never been on the moon or I know that you believe that all white people are the spawn of Satan or whatever he believes and and say but like tell me about how tell me a story about how you came to you know have that belief you know how how did you get to have that point of view and then okay mm. ask the question and tell make it clear that you really want to listen then you have to shut up and actually like listen to the story so that they know that you're listening to the story and that they're being heard and that you you feel their feelings you know you know you can see where they're coming from okay so if you can really do that the trick is if you can really do that then when they when they feel heard and you've heard their story then you can say well let me tell you about where i'm coming from and then you know the idea is that because you've listened to their story, even though they disagree with you, maybe they'll listen to your story about how you came to your point of view. But some people, even if they listen to your story, they'll still try to bash you down. I know. I know. I'm just trying to tell you, this is like a technique. It's a problem. You can't give them numb. You can't, statistics have been proven not to work. You know, if you say, well, you know, here's the data. 87% 87% of, you know, experts say that you're full of shit. Nobody, nobody's going to be affected by that. Nobody changes their opinion based on that, right? So what, how can you change somebody else's opinion? The philosophers in our department think that you can always change opinions by giving people reasons, giving them arguments. But basically, I totally disagree because people don't listen to reason. When they hold something as a core value, they're gonna always find some other reason to so disagree you with you. The, they're more emotional than you have exactly. So you have to affect them at a social, emotional level, mm-hmm. and the way you do that is you make them feel heard. I heard this story about like this this woman who was going to do anti-racist work with the wives, white obviously, of a bunch of KKK members. So the mm-hmm. the men are all in the KKK, and these are the wives, and they're having babies with these KKK members. And so this woman, you know, she gets invited to go down there and do mm. anti-racist work. And the way she did it is the way I said. She said, well, you know, tell me about how, what life experiences you've had that, that you know, bring you to have this kind of point of view and to, you know, to be married to a man who's like part of a, a white power group. And, you know, like, tell me about your life. Tell me about your life, you know. And then she has to sit there and listen to all this stuff, right, from these women. Mm. And then, which she's black, so when she listens to them, then she says, oh, yeah, I, I've heard your stories now. Why don't, why don't you let me tell, tell mine? Mm. And then she tells about her experience growing up as a little black girl in America and how she got to her point of view of being committed to doing anti-racist work instead of pro-racist work, mm. right? And then it's like, this is more, uh, I'm just saying, no miracles. But mm. listening to people, making them feel heard, is more likely to make them listen to you than anything else. Because it would be nice if just a really good argument would help. But people are not computers. But I say, as, as humans, we all have to agree on certain things. Certain things we have to agree on. What would what would one of those things be? Murder is bad. <laughs> <laughs> Murder is bad. Racism isn't good. Mm-hmm. Every sh- is a, yeah. It can't. There's no opinion. Like people people say opinions are like everybody has their own opinion and you can um yeah judge other people's opinions. I'm like some people's opinions. Sometimes are yeah. Some, I I say I don't believe in your opinion matters because sometimes your opinion. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sometimes, so I have to do this, like, you know, in grading these papers, people mm. say all kinds of things, and they have all different kinds of points of view of the questions, and so I I don't, like, judge people's papers based on their point, their opinion, and I tell people that, you know, I'm not going to judge your paper based on your opinion about whether it's good to think about death or not, or whatever the question is. It's more about like how you explain your point of view, you know, how you mm. the reasons you give about why you feel the way you do. I want people to think. I don't. I don't. I'm not forcing people to have a certain opinion. Mm. I, so, think that's, I think that's why a lot of people are ignorant now because they're so they think they're so entitled to their opinion. 
Well, right. So this is the way people come into my classes generally. Uh. There's two things. Facts and opinions. Mm. Facts, I could tell you 17 facts. You can find them all on Wikipedia. I could give you a true-false question to see if you remember the 17 facts. Right? Opinions. Everybody's entitled to their own. Nobody can, you know, be judgmental about other people's opinions because everybody has a right to their own opinion. And so I can't grade them on their opinions because they're all entitled to their own opinions. And I can't grade their essay based on the, the facts because I could have just given a multiple choice test and asked. Yeah, sorry about that, gang. But the recording stopped. I don't know why it ended in an hour. But it ended at the perfect time in a way because we both had to go and leave and he had to be in it. But yeah, thank y'all for tuning in. And hopefully y'all enjoyed that discussion. That's like my favorite professor. Me and him both good thinkers. So yeah, most like I'm gonna have him more on this. Po- I'm have him on here more, more often. But he's a teacher, so it's gonna be a little, a little bit wild before he be on another episode of podcast. But nonetheless, thank you for tuning in. It's Jay Breeze, YBG Game for Life, and I'm out.